before I start tonight, can I just take the opportunity uh, of saying thank you to all those of you who uh, know my wife and who've been praying for her for the last few weeks. Please do carry on praying for her because she'll be in the Norfolk and Norwich, as far as we're aware, another four or five weeks. So please pray that she makes a full recovery. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to look at your word tonight, we pray that we would have the hope that comes from Advent. Take my words, Lord, and let them be uh, glorifying to you. Amen. Well, if you, uh, anyone like me who uh, looks at the media, reads the newspapers, looks at your internet, there ain't a lot of hope about it, is there? Our savings are going down. If you have a pension like me, they're going down as well. If you're a young person, you can't get a job, and there ain't much hope out there. So, what I wondered is, I thought as we start to look at this, uh, this whole issue of Advent, I was wondering, what are you looking forward to? Maybe a holiday. Maybe it is getting a job, good exam results, going to university. A family gathering, good health, long life, a good marriage. There are many things, aren't there, to look forward to. And a lot of them are very good aims. Of course, we know that it doesn't always apply. We know, we've had the figures, there are increasing numbers of young people without work or hope for the future. Because hope can drive us forward. Hope can be a real spur to hard work. But I would like to suggest to you that what we're looking forward to often says a lot about who we are as people and what's important in our lives. Now our society, if you go by the media and everything else, stresses that that the material possessions are what's important. The importance of good jobs, success, however we measure it. Recently I was watching... Uh, an arena film on the BBC that uh, looked at the life of George Harrison. And uh, in it, we heard of how he was a perfectionist with regard to his music. And therefore, many people appreciated it, but if you were working in the uh, recording studio, it became a bit of a pain, because as he remake and remake and remake. But... One of the things we learned from that program is that he spent many hours throughout his life looking forward to and preparing himself for his life, for his death. He prepared for this event through his meditation and according to the uh, presenter, he looked forward to meeting his God. Well, tonight I would like us to have hope for the future. As within the Christian church, we have this season of Advent where we look forward to the coming of Jesus the first time, but also the second time. So, Advent, what does it mean? Well, it means the coming or arrival. The focus of the entire season for the church is the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ the first time and the anticipation the second time of his coming again. 
Thus, Advent is far more than simply marking a 2,000-year-old event in history. It's more than a a calendar with chocolates. Advent is a celebration of a truth about God, the revelation of God in Christ, whereby all creation can be reconciled to God. Now, tonight we have had two readings, an Old Old Testament reading and a New Testament reading. Briefly, the Old Testament reading tells us about God's longing for his people, but of their rebellion against him. It predicts the future of judgment by a righteous God. So it looks forward to judgment, and it looks forward to the destruction of those people. Perhaps not the best subject or the most pleasant subject for us. But this is a part of the central message of the Bible. The Bible presents God's work of salvation and redemption as an ongoing process. God leads his people into this process and it will be, it was culminated in the first coming of Jesus and it will be finished in the second coming of Jesus. And there will be a time of judgment of all people. The faithful, we believe, will receive new spiritual bodies for eternal life, and the wicked will be judged. The kingdom of God will come at the second coming of Christ. And so in the second reading in Matthew, Matthew shows us something of the nature of this Messiah, this God's salvation, and points us towards the second return of Jesus. So, an important question for all of us is, who is this Jesus? What type of Jesus do we follow if we follow Jesus at all? And what type of Jesus do we share with our friends and we celebrate at Christmas time? Well, let's have a look at this passage in Matthew's Gospel. I haven't got room for a Bible on this lectern, so I think it's nine, page 988, Matthew 21. Now, in this passage, we read of Jesus on his way to Jerusalem and his final confrontation with the religious rulers of his day. And, of course, that leads to his final death and resurrection. And I think this is an important point that we need to remember as we look forward to Christmas and the birth of baby Jesus. I challenge you to see through all the tinsel all the romantic ideas of the baby born in the manger, the Christmas card scenes, because what we're really doing is we're looking forward to the death of Jesus on a cross and the rising of Jesus, who was born in a manger. Remember, his birth enables salvation to take place. So, from our reading tonight, what can we see then about this man, Jesus? Three things. I would like to uh, pick out from this passage. Firstly, we see a man who was in, uh, who could see into the future and is in control of the future. Now, I hope you get excited about this because this is our Jesus. This is our Jesus who could see into the future and who could control it. The journey into Jerusalem wasn't a random event. It wasn't something done on the spur of the moment. No, it had been considered. 
We know this because Jesus had planned that there would be a donkey and a foal ready for his use. He knew this. He told the disciples that they were to go and fetch these for his use. He knew that the owners would cooperate with his plan. But to give the disciples confidence, he even gave them words to say to the owner if questioned about their actions. Do you see, Jesus was in control of the present and the future, including the actions of men who were apart from him. Now, this is powerful stuff, isn't it? Okay? This should be very reassuring to us, because if Jesus was in control of the present and the future, if he was able to plan for the future and ensure that it took place, then this should give us confidence in the power and authority of this man that we follow. And it should also help us to believe in the words spoken by him about his return to earth a second time. Listen to these quotes, what Jesus said. We find these in various parts of the New Testament. John 14. Don't be troubled. You trust in God, now trust in me. There are many rooms in my Father's house, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. If this was not so, I would tell you plainly. When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be where I am. That's the promise Jesus makes to mankind. He is gone to prepare a place for this, for us. But when will he return again? Many of Jesus' followers in the time of the New Testament expected him to return within their lifetime. And there again, that was based upon what Jesus said, because he says this in uh, Luke 21, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But there are other quotes by him. Things like this, he said, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world for a witness to all nations, and then the end shall come. And so we have this conflict, really. When will he come? Well, we don't know, do we? There's never been a, a satisfactory resolution of when Jesus will come a second time. It's led to tremendous debate within the Christian community down through 2,000 years. But this shouldn't be a surprise to us, because look what Jesus says. Jesus said in Mark's Gospel, No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. So be prepared. Be prepared. We don't know when Jesus will come, but he promises he will come. And so therefore, we need to be alert. If you remember that parable that Jesus spoke of, of the ten virgins found in Matthew 25, and this speaks directly to the need for Christians and followers of him to be spiritually prepared for that final coming and that final judgment. Now, the challenge for all of us, of course, tonight is, do we believe that Jesus has a plan for the future that will be fulfilled in time? Because if we believe that Jesus could return today, 
tomorrow, next week, next year, 100 years on, whatever. But if we believe that truly, surely this will affect how we act on earth. If we knew that this was our last day on earth, think how it might change what we did, how we spent time, who we spoke to, what we said. If we live with this certainty, surely spreading the good news of salvation through Jesus' death will be a good deal easier. We won't worry what people think about us. So that's the first point. Jesus was a man who could see into the future and who has a control over the future. But secondly, we see in this passage a man who respected the Jewish religious writings. He was steeped in the prophetic words of the Old Testament. We see this in the knowledge that he has of Old Testament prophecy. The reading that we have got in front of us this evening, it comes from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, which predicts the coming of the Messiah into Jerusalem. And so Jesus is linking himself with God's plan of saving his people and identifying himself with the promise of the Messiah that the Jewish people believed in. And so Jesus is asking people to believe in him as Messiah, which is completely opposite to the viewpoint of the Jewish religious leaders. We see how the crowd, as he comes into Jerusalem, appears to do this. Look at their actions. They throw down coats and branches. Listen to the words they say, as given by Matthew. Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heavens. It all points, doesn't it, to the fact that at that particular time, the crowd acknowledges who Jesus is, and it's the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. But thirdly, not only was he uh, part of the prophecy, we see that he was a king, but he was a humble man and a humble king. We see in this passage that Jesus identifies himself with prophecy concerning Messiah, but he doesn't act in a kingly way. The crowd recognise his kingship, Look at the way they lay the coats out, the way they chant the scriptures, the way they acknowledge that this person riding on the donkey is a prophet from Nazareth. See that in verse 10. But if Jesus had come as a conqueror for the people, driving out the Romans as many hoped he would, he would not have come riding on a donkey. No, he would have ridden on a war horse with armour, weapons and soldiers. So if Jesus had seen himself as a conquering king or leader, he would have entered Jerusalem in a very different way. But we see in our account that he came humbly riding into town. Now the people of the time would have understood the symbolic action of riding on a donkey. Jesus transforms the appearance of a conquering king into a humble figure. And of course... As you go through your scriptures, you'll see that this reflects much of Jesus' teaching. Think of the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And many of those blessings given by Jesus, uh, Jesus' teaching are the complete opposite to that of the world's teaching. Jesus transforms our understanding of what it is to be great and acceptable to God. So there we have it. 
Are you enthusiastic? Are you encouraged that we have a saviour called Jesus who is a man who can see into the future, who is a man in control of the future, a man who knew and respected the Jewish readings and a man who was a humble king. So what about the application tonight? To return to my original question, what are we looking forward to? What do we believe in the next few months? Well, of course, none of us knows what the future will hold for us. It might be redundancy. It might be health issues. A year ago, I didn't know that I would be standing here as a retired teacher. I thought I would still be teaching. Six months ago, I didn't know that Elizabeth would be very ill and that she would have to spend a long time in hospital and that we couldn't go to Uganda. Humanly, we can't be sure what the future holds. There's no guarantees in this home and life. But the good news, the good news message of Advent is that the Son of God, who did come to this earth in time and space, that he came into a human family, that he lived a human life, he suffered and died so that we could have a relationship with God. And that, and that way of Jesus bringing us into God through his death on the cross is, of course, what we've come to celebrate this evening. And, of course, it doesn't end there. We can, take, we can accept that for ourselves and we can have the confidence that Jesus will come again in the future. Our faith is based upon the words of Jesus and other prophetic words found in the Bible on which we can rely. It may happen in our time. Jesus might come today, he might come tomorrow, or he might come after we have died. But we can have the confidence to look forward to it. So let's, through this period of Advent, looking forward to Christmas, remember that we can have the confidence and security to look forward to the second coming of Jesus. Now, I've spoken briefly about this massive subject, the second coming of Jesus. So many of you may have done lots of study about it uh, previously. But as a retired teacher, I always like to set a bit of homework. So here's a bit of homework between now and Christmas. If you haven't studied the second coming of Christ, why not investigate it? Look what the prophets say. Look what the New Testament writers say. Read what the theologians say about the second coming of Jesus and look forward to Christmas time. Amen. <laughs>